to the Terran show we are oh. back and uh, I've got I've got a great guest for you uh, I think this is gonna be somebody that uh, anybody who has watched the UK version of the circle or who has been watching the US version of the circle and listening to the podcasts and seen this guy uh, you should be very excited because I have the great Tim Wilson on to uh, to talk to right now how you doing Tim I'm doing really well. Thank you very much. Very, very excited. Very excited to have you on. Very excited to talk to you. Uh, you seem like uh, you have lived a very full life and uh, you're going to have a lot of uh, great uh, stories to tell us. Well, I, I hope so. Who knows? It's, it's about pressing the right <laughs> button. That's your job. And my yeah. job is to respond with some sort of strangeness. Um, <laughs> and, you know, to poke my head back into the past and try and find out what is relevant, what is not relevant. Um, you know, maybe say something slightly inappropriate, but um, <laughs> we, we try really hard, try really hard to keep it sort of on track. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I, I, it's not too often that I get guests that aren't American in general. Um, and, you know, I've, I've had a few guests that uh, sort of moved to the U.S. as, uh, as, a, as a kid. Um, and so there's a sort of story there. Uh, I, and I certainly talked to Freddie as well from, uh, yeah. from the circle, and that was a lot of fun. Um, but uh, but you... Yeah. Um, you probably have uh, a whole ton of experience in a country and a history that I probably don't even know about. Oh, well, it's, it's originally yours, after all, you know. It's true. Uh, and, 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 and it's a little further back, though. <laughs> but there's a great theory that the, um, that the language of Shakespeare, um, that, that Shakespeare would have spoken very much in an American-sounding way, that you preserved a lot of the language that he would have used. You preserve, yeah, yeah you, you preserve speech rhythms and uh, particular vowel sounds, which we've lost because we had mm. all that sort of Victorian nonsense about sort of um, stiff upper lip and uh, trying not to open your mouth when you speak. Um, <laughs> it's That's interesting. Dreadful, it's all because of dreadful teeth on this side of the Atlantic. I <laughs> well, I feel like, I don't know, because I know that it's sort of the general consensus, or at least it feels that way in America, that... British accents are kind of cooler than American accents. Um, and I, I don't know. I kind of feel, I kind of feel that way. I kind of feel like there's a, there's more of a, a flow to, uh, to a British accent. And I know there are very many variations of, of British accents. Variations of American accents, which I, it's true. I, I, I just didn't realize until I, I, I went over there briefly and I was amazed even in New York, the sort of great variety. Um, so it's such a joy hearing Joey. Um, <laughs> It, it just, you know, it, it seems to be a different, it seems to be a different accent from street to street, um, you know, and, and, and I think at one point, certainly during the, uh, during the early 20th century, you could have said the same thing in London, you can't anymore, that's, mm. where, that's where the play Pygmalion, which then becomes My Fair Lady, comes from, that, that uh, Professor Henry Higgins could identify which street somebody comes from, <laughs> um, and now I don't, now I don't think you could, uh, um, so you, you, you've got sort of estuary English, which has taken over. 
which is a sort of which is a sort of English that Tony Blair embraced when he wanted to be sort of uh, one of the one, one, one of the gang, and, um, and 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 that's about it, really. Otherwise, well, you've got that sort of triangle of um, of what used to be called RP or BBC English or the Queen's English, uh, which is pretty well what I speak. Um, but, but but I do it by default because I I spent about ten years in Greece. Um, sort of um, constantly making um, recordings, a little bit like you, but I, I, I was doing English as a foreign language, and it just sort of cleaned up my my, my, my language. I was saying, listen and repeat. Um, and, and then after sort of 10 hours in, in, in a recording booth, I'd start getting giggles, and, um, and, 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 and that was catastrophic, really. Um, yeah. Well, do you, do you feel like the, that uh, the British accent has been... Uh, are you saying that it's sort of like coming all meshing together into like it's sort of being more generalized? Because because I, I think yeah. that something my sort of understanding of it is that, you know, Great Britain or whatever you call the whole island. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, it's it's uh, it's a very small place in comparison to the U.S., um, but there are still so many different cultures and, and variants and, and uh, you know, accents involved. So we've got a great range of regional accents as you get right. out of London. You can get this wonderful wealth of accents, um, and, and particularly as you go up into the north of the country, and, and, and you get these um, amazing Scottish accents. Um, for, 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 for example, um, uh, Robin Williams, when he was doing Mrs. Doubtfire, uh, he he effectively based his accent for Mrs. Doubtfire on the accent that um, um, oh, what's the name of the lady who who, who did uh, Professor McGonagall? Um, Wonderful actress, uh, Maggie Smith. The, the accent that Maggie Smith adopted when she won an Oscar for a film called The Prime of Miss Jean Brodie. And, okay. uh, and, and, and she adopted a, um, a Morningside Scottish accent, which is a sort of posh Edinburgh accent. Uh, and, and, and she would say things like, um, uh, My girls are all broody girls, and I'm in my prime. Um, and, and she had a great line in that film where, where one of the girls was nasty to her, and she's, Assassin! You're an assassin! Um, and, um, and she based this on somebody that she knew, and she rang this lady up, and she said, I gather you have a wonderful Scottish accent. The lady said, Scottish accent? I, do, I, I just speak English in a normal way. Um, and, and, and you can hear it. If you listen to Robin Williams, he's taken that accent and then, and then slightly sort of morphed it. So, so when he does it, oh, no, dear, it, it, it is, in fact, Maggie Smith, understood by Robin, by Robin Williams, and it's a sort of lighter <laughs> version of the Morningside accent that, that Maggie Smith was doing in the Prime Miss Jean Brodie. And I, I find that sort of analysis so exciting. And I find the, 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 um, the, the diversity of language um, and, and the fact that people have got different rhythms and different accents and, and they say different things. And um, this is why I find, find, find the whole discussion about acronyms and, 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 and sort of... Um, uh, the, the, the speech which we're using now and uh, and the whole thing like rap I, I i love the idea of rap i've not understood enough about british rap or american rap i've i've got into russian rap which is very very exciting um but um i i i just think you know because rap has a huge history you can take mm-hmm. it back certainly to the 1920s and there was a lady called um um edith sitwell who wrote nonsense poetry and it was set to music by a man called william walton 
and there's a great uh, there's a great collection called Facade, and you stand in front of an orchestra. I've done it, and you stand in front of an orchestra with a megaphone, and you and you recite this sort of rubbish which has no meaning with the orchestra playing away madly behind you, um, and that really is. I think one of the earliest examples of modern rap, but then you can mm-hmm. take it back a little bit further to Gilbert and Sullivan, the, and the patter songs, and, and that's also there. But what you're looking at rap is, 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 is how you take, um, just, just simple language and make it musical. Mm-hmm. And, and you have it again beautifully done in, um, in The Learner and Low, My Fair Lady and Henry Higgins. Um, so rap has been with us for many years. It's not a new thing. It's just yeah. been life and, and 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 to go back and to find uh, ways to give new life to things which we just do routinely that seems to me that that's what our life is all about we we, we want to constantly re rediscover what other generations <laughs> have been doing so well anyway we, but we want to rediscover it for ourselves have you always been interested in in language uh, well, I see. Yeah, you know, I have a, I have a mouth. I, I yeah, I, I just, like, I, like in a, in a more academic sense, or maybe you're just interested in everything in an academic sense, uh, including I language. I don't think of myself as an academic. I think of myself as an entertainer. Okay. Um, I mean, if if you'd ever come to any of my lectures, particularly the ones where I've not sent myself to sleep, um, so the, uh, I have sent myself to sleep in my own lecture. I think <laughs> I, I think I've told you this. Have I told you this? I don't think so. Well, it was it, it was in Russian. I was because I because I, I lectured. I was a uni, I was a university professor in in in, in Moscow, and uh, every so often the 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 the, um, the, the university people think think that you think that you need sort of um, schmoozing, and they take you off for a sort of rather boozy lunch. And on this occasion, they took me off to a Siberian restaurant. Look, I've, I've got a cat here. Um, but um, they took me off to a rather boozy restaurant for a boozy lunch, and uh, and they gave me a plate of what turned out to be a bear. It was disgusting, really. And, and I, I felt like I was eating through sort of one of the Disney characters, um, <laughs> you know, I, nibbling through Baloo. Um, and, um, and, and, and to drown it, I, I, I had rather a lot of vodka. And I went back into my lecture room, and there were sort of 300 students sitting in front of me in sort of serried ranks. And, uh, and, and I tended to lecture without notes because I thought that was rather grander. And I found... I, I, it was a slightly boring lecture. I don't remember exactly what it was on, but it would have been some sort of philosophy thing. Um, and I found the the, le- the voice of the lecturer got slower and slower. And then, thank God, it stopped. And when, when I raised my head from my chest and looked up, I realized I'd been asleep. I'd sent myself to sleep because I, I, I was lecturing sitting down. And, um, <laughs> and I looked up and all these eyes were looking down at me. And, uh, and, and they were terribly polite. None of them said, oh, sir, you've been asleep. <laughs> I had no idea how long I'd been asleep. And there comes a point when you get to a certain age, or past 50, when sadly you realize you don't sleep in complete silence. You sort of make noises, not always from the, not always from the top part. And, um, and, and I thought, oh, my God, what sort of noises have I been making? How long have I been asleep? And they, they, they must have just thought I was having some academic moment. But um, So after that, I, I, I always lectured standing up and with notes. Um, and, um, I don't have any notes here. So if I start to go to sleep, please tell me. Um, but, um, <laughs> Darren, well, I, 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 I podcast standing up, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. It's so it's presumably to keep myself from, from falling asleep. Awake. Um, but, 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 but yeah, so I, I have no idea why I'm telling you this story, but yeah, I know. I, I just love, I love entertainment and I love, I love the idea that even if you're lecturing, even if you're doing something academic, you're really telling stories. And that's what you want to do. You want to tell a good yeah. story. 
uh, get somebody's interest, maybe throw in um, the occasional bit of, um, of fact. I remember my, my lecturer, my, my, my tutor in Oxford, I went to him and I said, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going off to tutor or, or to lecture somewhere and somewhere. And do you have any advice? And he said, oh, yes, well, uh, there's only one piece of advice that I can give you. Now, when you are lecturing, always tell people what they know. They like to hear that. And I thought I, I thought that was very good advice. So now I try and I, I try and make sure I don't tell people too much that's uh, new. And I, I I I go back over things that they know, and they all look so happy and reassured. <laughs> um. <laughs> Um, you, you, what you talked about uh, being an entertainer, though, uh, it, it reminds me in the, the conversation about language also a little bit reminds me of uh, a, a writer that I that I really like, uh, Ted Chang, um, who uh, who wrote the um, uh, a story of oh, well, now I forgot it. Uh, story of your life, yes. which was adapted into the movie Arrival. Um, and he writes a bunch of short stories like that. And he, uh, what I love about him is that he takes these really cool ideas. Um, so story about your life was an idea about language and how that can influence the way that you actually think. Um, and he turns those ideas into entertainment, into stories. And he, so he kind of, in a way sort of teaches and makes you think about things in a new way via an entertaining story. And, and I love that. I, I that's, that's, it's so interesting to me. Um, he released a, a new uh, book of short stories um, called exhalation last year uh, that I, that I loved. And in one of the stories, he talks about more about language and in particular uh, like writing and how, with the invention of writing, essentially, either there's a theory, at least that 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 shifted the way that our brains works, that, you know, you organize your thoughts with writing. And so we shifted from an oral culture to a written yeah. culture and the and far like, less repetition. Yes. And it's and it's so that was so interesting to me because I had never thought of it that way. And the idea that like we're like, well, of course, written culture is better because we can record things and we know the truth. But we're no. very biased because we are living like that's how our brains work and the idea that there are there are a lot of there's a lot of value to an oral culture um was never it was something that never crossed my mind and through this like very short but entertaining and interesting story uh i i sort of it sort of broadened my mind into the idea of like just like how how the act of writing something down can literally change the way that your brain works. Uh, utterly. It, um, if you, a very interesting test is if you, if you write something out while you're podcasting and you read that and then you, and, and, and then you, then you use the same idea and you just say it mm -hmm. without reading, you'll find you're actually doing something different. And when you listen to it, the spoken stuff without reading is better than the stuff that you read. Um, and uh, that, that, that's number one. So it's, so it's much fresher. The oral stuff is always fresher. Uh, the second thing is the oral stuff often isn't syntactical. Um, so I notice you use the word like quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, but you wouldn't use that if, if you were writing. Yeah. Uh, that, would, that would be excised. I use the word um quite a lot, which is apparently, is it um? I think it is um, which is very rude in Turkish. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's incredibly rude. Um, I think it's, um, I, I can ask in a few minutes, but I, I <laughs> um, yeah, you see, I can't, I can't stop it. It's, yeah. um, 
Uh, and uh, but I wouldn't I wouldn't use that if I were writing, and I mm. probably wouldn't use it. I'm not, I've seen, I seem to unplug myself. I probably wouldn't use it if I were reading what I'd written. Um, yeah. But it's um it, it it it's got a sort of vitality that hesitation, and then you've got the repetition because we're always repeating ourselves. Yes. Um, it, it, it's fascinating when, when when you start looking. I one of the um uh the the, the Odyssey and the Iliad. We know that these come from a from a uh, an oral tradition mm-hmm. because there's so much repetition. You've constantly got the rosy fingered dawn turning up in the Iliad, and um and, and there's no reason for that except that that would be one of these sort of tropes that starts a particular uh, recitation. So, yeah. Uh, and and you, you can find these things in, in, in sort of all the old texts, like the Gilgamesh epic, the Enuma Elish, the Bible. Um, and, 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 and you have, you have rhythms. I, um, I, 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 uh, my, my Arabic's not, not terribly good now, but the, but there's lines of Arabic poetry, which you get in the Quran or in, um, uh, some, so, 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 some of the more secular poetry, and you can suddenly hear wonderful, um, wonderful sounds. It's so onomatopoeic. Um, you get it at the beginning of um, of the Bible in Hebrew, which um, um, uh, with, with the spirit of God hovering over the waters. It's ruach Adonai, and, and you, it, it sounds like breath. But you wouldn't have that if you were just writing it. Yeah, um, you, you, you've got these wonderful. Wonderful rhythms that you get when you when when you just speak, and, and it makes me. You talk about repetition um, as somebody that is a big fan of the show Big Brother, uh, where uh-huh. there are live feeds, right? Um, yeah, you, where you get to watch these people for a hundred days play a game, and they're not allowed to write, uh, and and you see. I mean, this is essentially like a a mini oral culture, I think. Uh, Absolutely. And and you see them constantly repeating. Like, I think that we don't realize how often we repeat ourselves in an everyday conversation when even just in a single conversation, even in a single sentence, we repeat ourselves. I'm repeating myself right now. Uh, And so. But each time you repeat yourself, you you do it in a different way. So you're actually you're actually communicating something slightly different. Yeah. And and it's also how, you know, we often talk about on a show like Big Brother that perception is reality and that uh, that like, you know, truth or or anything like that. It's harder to like distinctly ascertain because uh, there's no record that they can see. We can see it. We can go back and be like, this person's wrong because this is exactly what happened. But to them, that doesn't matter. The stories that they tell are entirely uh, based on the, the need that they have in that moment. Um, Absolutely. Right. And, and it's, that's super interesting to me. And that's one of the reasons why I like reality TV because I think that there are so many different interesting things that you can glean from it and learn from it and analyze in it beyond sort of how I think a lot of people view it, which is just like entertaining trash. Trash, trash is never entertaining. You know, there are people, if you go to good lawyers, they're they're rooting around through waste bins. Um, Trash is full of, full of, um, nuggets of brilliance uh you should never dismiss what is ephemeral our life is made up of the ephemeral of the passing 
um, that's what's most important to us. Um, yeah. But 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 I, I think again, if you if you, if you look at a sort of legal thing, we really we really ought to have someone like Ali here, um, <laughs> who, who, who I think is a lawyer, isn't she? Yes. Yeah. Um, but but she would say so. So if I were to say something, so X Y Z now X Y Z. Sorry, we're speaking to an American audience. X Y Z. Um, uh, if, if I were to say X Y Z now. Um, and uh, and then in a few minutes, I, I say A, B, C about the same thing. What are you going to say? You're going to say, oh, but you said X, Y, Z five minutes ago. Now you're correcting it to A, B, C. Which one is true? It's not necessarily the case that the first thing I said is true and the second thing is, a, is an embellishment. Um, sometimes things which are, which, which are much later may actually be much truer. We shouldn't. We shouldn't confuse antiquity with authenticity simply because something is old doesn't mean that it's necessarily better. Um, I'm probably doing myself out of a job here, aren't I? No, that's 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 great. Um, yeah, it's this. Um, it's it's so it's so interesting to me that that I was, you know, I I just feel like we don't often think to look at these things reality shows whatever uh in these terms uh, I, and in I, these I, ways look, uh, to turn i so much want to do i so much want to write the book about uh, about the idea of reality tv partly because i've never seen any i mean you know i i, I haven't seen big brother i i think i've chanced across one or two episodes um, or, or bits of episodes. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I've seen so little. I, I and and I, I was so excited by the circle. I was so excited by watching the first eighteen hours of the first episode, the first series of the British um, um, series before before I went in, and then being actually within it. So my first experience, really, of reality TV was being on it. That's um, definitely an experience. And then, and, and then when I came out. I, I, I was sort of thinking, well, reality TV has got this huge history. I could trace it back, I think, to, 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 to a show in, in the early 1960s run by a man called um, Bruce Forsyth, um, who was full of catchphrases. But you probably have got, have, have, have got um, precursors to that in American TV. It's, it's the moment you take people out of the audience, put them on live TV, and give them a game to do, and I'm sure that's. An, I'm, I'm sure it was, it, that was being done in the states first, um, and uh, and that is that is reality TV. But there was a program on British TV which went which went on for about twenty five or, or thirty years called the Good Old Days, where we dressed people up in Victorian costume and got them to sit in a theatre and watch um, Variety, um, which, which we would have called Music Hall, and um, uh, and, and the. The turns, a bit like X Factor, uh, the, the, the turns weren't great. Uh, some of them were good, but some of them really were pretty awful. And the stars of the show were the audience, and people just wanted to dress up in Victorian costume and sit in the audience, and ooh and ah. And, um, and that, again, is reality TV, because reality TV seems to me to be about saying to an audience, hey, uh, you could be involved in the show, and look at these people here. These these people are you. This is you. Yeah. And, and, and so you have that immediate rapport with the television viewing audience because they see themselves on screen. Yeah. And, and that's, that's again, one of the, the things I just, I love about it is that, you know, I, I think it takes a very talented writer, uh, to create a character that has the depth of, 
an actual human. Like I, I have an, I have an issue yeah. with that where when I'm reading books or I'm watching shows or movies or anything like that, uh, characters are really important to me. And I think it's so easy to get it wrong and to just create like a, a, a yeah. very shallow sort of blank slate of a, of a character that, that is there for the sake of the plot. Um, yes, or, or not shallow enough. That That's the point. Uh, you, you, you find very often in, um, in, 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 in sitcoms and in, uh, in, in, in soaps, people are constantly giving you plot points rather than actually yeah. characters. And most of the time when we're, when, when we're talking as characters, we come up with such a lot of rubbish. Um, <laughs> and, and that rubbish gives you an insight into, into the way we're thinking. It, it, that, that's a vision of our soul. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think, um, uh, I, mean, I, I, th- I think it would be wrong to say that, um, that reality TV is unscripted. Um, it is scripted, but, uh, but, but at a distance. So mm-hmm. somebody has set up an environment where these things will take place naturally. And, yeah. um, and if you surrender to that environment, my goodness, the magic happens almost, um, or, or, or almost like that. And it, it, it's simply spectacular. And watching the U.S. Um, production of The Circle, I can see the magic taking place. And it's all down to, the, you know, the great Tim Harkett, who, 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 who invented The Circle. And so having been part of it and then seeing it taking place, I can see the magic. I can see, you know, how he's how he's found a way to literally turn um, the ordinary idea of drama on its head. So he's taken a detective story and he's shown the reviewing audience the end. He's shown the viewing audience all the answers. And the people who don't have the, have the answers are the people in the game. Yeah. And um, it's 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 like sort of de- deconstructing a detective um, storyline. Yeah, it's, I, I, it's beautiful from from like both it. sides, from the side of being a participant and from the side of somebody watching. And I find it captivating, actually. I, I like what you said about um, essentially like the scripting in these shows is taking real people and putting them into situations where yep. you get a desired result maybe not always exactly what you're looking for but uh, one of my favorite writers is is robin hobb and uh she uh she talks a lot about her characters as being people outside of themselves mm-hmm. she can't control them uh she just puts them in a certain environment and then she lets them in her imagination run run amok uh well, dickens did the same right dickens, yeah you know and and and, and the amount of times you 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 you, you look at um when writers actually get the opportunity to talk about their their craft, they say that the characters take over the story. And that's very that. that's very reality TV. It is reality TV. If yeah. if if Shakespeare if Shakespeare were alive, I'm sure he would be um, sort of participating in some form in Big Brother. Because that is that is Shakespeare, isn't it? You know that, that that's real life and. Uh, the, the other thing I find fascinating about, um, about about looking at the American circle, and I didn't have time to really to to to, to, to really un, sort of sit down and understand it or, 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 or analyze it when I was looking at the British circle of uh, the first series. But, but I, I will do. I will go back and have a look at it. Is everybody speaks at a different rhythm, and you've got mm-hmm. the wonderful Joey, and he speaks. He, he's he's got this incredibly plosive way of speaking. Yeah. Um, I mean. If if this were Dickens, he would then be illustrated in a very specific way, and and he'd be very different to Mercedes, and he'd be very different to Sammy, um, and, and 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 of course, um, Rebecca 
uh, Seaburn has has sort of progressively got this lighter, lighter, lighter voice. Um, so he he's become terribly feminine, and he moves in a very feminine way now. And mm. and, and I, I think I think in one of the episodes, I think I, I think he was doing a bit of twerking or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just delicious the way character takes people over and the way character gives us a story yeah and i think that'll even happen uh from a viewer perspective as well if you're yeah. watching a show like this especially a show like big brother for people who do watch the live feeds and they're like engrossed in these people's lives every single day uh yeah. they tend to sort of mimic mannerisms, uh, ways of speaking. Um, and they do it in the house as well, where they all start to get certain catchphrases together and they all start to say the same phrases, uh, and, you know, have a, a sort of, you know, in-house lingo. Um, and it, it creates its own culture in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and also, I mean, I, I love the way how people, how people start giving each other nicknames and um, yeah. uh, subriquets. Um, I mean, in, in, in the American version of The Circle, um, you, you've got Shuby, mm-hmm. um, who, who I think was named by, by Joey. Um, yeah. And um, I, don't, I don't know whether we did anything like that in my version. Oh, I do remember people calling me Timmy. Um, Timmy. And um, I, I, I'm never really sure about the name Timmy. I think the name Timmy is the sort of name you give to a dog. Um, <laughs> But, um, but it's also quite affectionate. Yeah. Um, but I, I do feel that when you give somebody a, a nickname, you sort of own them. You, you, it's it's yeah. like having a pet, isn't it? You know, you, you name your goldfish. That's um, interesting. <laughs> Shuby, come on, come on, Shuby. <laughs> um, I well, I think it's. I, well, is, do you think? Do you think maybe it's different if somebody gives themselves a nickname and tells other people to say to say that? Yes, sometimes that doesn't really work, does it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I because I, I think um, that sort of putting a nickname onto somebody, I think is is in a way sort of like uh, like I am I yeah. am putting my own twist on on you. As 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 a teacher, it was always a mark of um a great achievement to discover that you've got a nickname. And I I found I found when I went into schools, I I would often get a nickname, nickname quite quickly. I, the last school I went into, um, that the headmaster. Uh, came along to me and told me that um, that they were calling me Prof Santa, which which I thought was quite nice. But I, the, best, the best the best the best school story I've got uh, recently is um, a little boy. I was I was looking after the uh, quite a sort of quite quite a, what would you call a high school? You call it high school, mm-hmm. um, and it was quite a wild high school. Um, and I was just doing sort of temporary stuff. And I went in one day, and a little boy came up to me and he said to me, "Sir, sir, sir." Um, do you, what sort of car do you drive? And I said, well, I don't drive a car. I don't know how to drive. He said, oh, that's right. You go by sleigh. <laughs> I just thought that was so clever. He couldn't have planned this at all. And, and I, how could I be angry with that? I couldn't be. I, if, I'd, if I'd had an opportunity to give him some sort of marks, I would have given him, <laughs> I would give him a sort of top grade for that. Wouldn't that be great if, uh, you know, making jokes about your teacher gave you a... Uh... Oh, I, think, I, 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 I think I think one, yeah, yeah. And, and, and what students don't realise is that the teachers, the, the teachers do imitations of the students in the staff room, much much the way that um, students <laughs> of the teachers outside. I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so so t- tell me more about yourself. How how did you get to be where you are now? What what, what was what was uh, Tim oh. like as a child? Uh, I, it's all by accident. Um, I, I went yeah. back to my old school and um, 
I, I was taught by priests and monks, and um, and one of them came up. And I, I was asked to give out prizes, and one of them came up to me and very, very, very um, slightly pompously actually said to me, "Oh, he was always a professor when he was at school." Well, I don't think I was really. Yeah. Um, well, certainly I wasn't acknowledged as such, and I don't think I was treated as a great intellect, and I, don't, I certainly don't think I am. Um, I was always a bit quiet. Uh, it didn't mean I wasn't naughty. I just got away with it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't a great games person. Um, we were made to play rugby, and I, I thought that was a very cruel and undignified sport. And, um, and we, we had to do it in the snow and the rain and um, I remember if the ball came anywhere near me, that was the point when I put down my copy of Lord of the Rings, or I stuffed it into my, I stuffed it into my, in, into my um, shorts, and ran like hell in the other direction. <laughs> um, but um, and I've still got my copy of Lord of the Rings, and and, and it, 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 it's got on, it, 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 it's got it's got its price on it, which is um, which is sort of fifteen shillings or something, old money. Um, mm. Which proves its um, its age, and um, yeah, I used to I used to take this book down onto the games field and it, uh, and read. You said you said you were taught by uh, by my monks, and yeah. Uh, yeah. How did how does that work? Was that just the the school that you went to? Was it a, a particular kind of school? Yeah, it was a school I went to. I um, when I was seven or eight, I was I, I was sent to a boarding school. Um, we we would call it a prep school now in in America a prep school is something much grander uh, that you go to I think to prepare for college would something be right. like that I think yeah in 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 Britain a prep school is what you send very small children to to prepare for what we call a public school which of course mm. isn't public at all it's private so you've got all this <laughs> okay <laughs> um, uh, and uh, and and yes I, I I was sent to a um to to to, to, to a Catholic um, boarding school and it was very Spartan. Um, I seem to recall rows of rows of beds in the dormitory with snow on the bottom of the beds because one of the windows didn't close properly. <laughs> we were very cold. Um, I, I also remember we started off with straw mattresses, um, and there was a great day when we got proper mattresses and we had to we, we had to change them all. Um, you know, I, I have these memories from when I must have been about seven or eight years old, and um, and, and and you think now this is a very brutal way to to deal with small children. I don't think I would want to do that. Yeah, um, in in my imagination, sort of like what I've seen on movies and television, uh, a sort of you know British boarding school back then was probably like they were very strict, and maybe they like hit you with rulers or I don't know. No, no, well, it, well, it wasn't rulers, and, I, and, and there was a there was a person in my school whose only job was to beat little boys. And it, I think that was deeply brutal. Um, but yes, so this, this, was, this was Hogwarts um, with, with um, brutality. Um, and, uh, and, and yes, I, saw, I sort of survived. I was never actually beaten. I think I was the only boy in the school who was never beaten, but I did cry a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I remember crying over, 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 over Latin a lot because the Latin teacher was phenomenally unpleasant and terrifying. And he was only about sort of three feet high. He was like a leprechaun, but a vicious, <laughs> vicious leprechaun. Um, and, uh, and, and we had to, he, he would give us something to learn the night before. And if we hadn't learned it and we couldn't recite it the following day, children would be sent off to be beaten. And uh, I, I remember on one occasion, I, I'd, been in the, um, I'd been in the infirmary. I'd been, uh, I'd been ill. And and I was let out after a week of being in bed. I was let out just in time for the Latin class. And I came down and all these boys were reciting a thing, is a id, uh, this or that. And um, 
and, 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 and we went down the rows of desks. And, I, and in the process of, I think, two rows, I learned most of the recitation. But, I, um, but, but then suddenly three boys in front of me couldn't recite it, and they were each sent off to be beaten. And, and, and it came to me, and I, I, I struggled through the first half, and then I had to stop because I hadn't heard any more. And, uh, and, and I was threatened with being beaten and, um, and, and, and I was called out to the front, bring a piece of paper and you write on this piece of paper, you know, how many times you're going to be beaten and you're supposed to take this off to the discipline master. I say deeply brutal. And some little boy at the front of the class says, but sir, he's been in the infirmary. Why didn't you tell me this? And, um, and of course I burst into tears and, uh, it was um, it was horrible. I was crying most of the day. It's it sounds absolutely awful. Like I can't imagine, uh, like it, what what is it like to live with that every day as a child? Like, can is there any semblance of a of a sort of normal school experience that you can, or at least a, a modern school well, experience where there you know you still have friends and you have fun with things like. Is it even uh, that that must be looming over you constantly? I, I well, my only experience of a normal school is as a teacher, and you know when I see a child who looks miserable, I just I, I just want to go and try and try try and make them look happy, try and make them happy, and find out what the matter is. I, uh, the other day, I went to the theatre, and, 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 and you know now now sometimes in the theatre you've got these sort of airport security things, and um, and I, I was waiting for Freddie. Actually, I was um, I, I was going to see a show with Freddie, and we sort of all red carpet stuff. And so there are all these people from reality TV. I think somebody was trying to suggest that I should go on a show called Dancing on Ice. And I, I said, well, if I if, if, if I I've never been on ice without falling over, and I, I'd scream. Does that make great TV? Um, so I, there you are. Um, but um, and, and I, I went to this airport security thing and the and the entrance. And there were two two little children who came through, and one of them must have been about two, and she was wearing this amazing costume. And her little brother was there as well; he must have been about five. And she was looking she was looking terribly sad. And I I got down on my knees and I, I said, "What's the, what's the matter?" And I, I, I looking forward to the show, and then, and she sort of broke a little smile. She cracked a smile, and then her brother wants to get in on it, and, and then this lady came up behind behind them and 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 and, and um, she was terribly famous and i felt so embarrassed i'd sort of taken over her grandchildren um but um uh and, and so we sort of got introduced but it was I, I i just find it i find it awful um thinking that a child is sort of nervous or anxious and um i i think that's the effect i I, I find it really difficult sort of seeing children looking miserable. Um, I find it difficult seeing anybody looking miserable, actually. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think that's a good quality to have as a, as a professor. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think I'm more, that's the point. I think I'm more interested in communicating with people than mm -hmm. I am in processing lots of, sort of erudite information. I, I think I can do it sometimes. Most of the time I can keep a bit of information in my head. Um, but, um, but I'm more interested in finding out, oh, who are you? What, what have you been doing? Where are you from? Um, what's it like living in Boston? You live in Boston, don't you? I do. Yeah. Yeah. It's so exciting. You've got three universities in Boston. Uh, lots of, yeah, lots of colleges. I don't know. What colleges, was the difference between you, university and college? Oh, university is just a grand British word for a, for a college, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Um, well, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, colleges here. You, you, you've got, you've got Boston University. You've got, you've got Princeton and BU, uh, you know, Harvard, yeah, yeah, well. Harvard, MIT. Harvard, Harvard. Um, and, and MIT as well, though. I didn't yep. know that. No. Uh, so and Boston is the place to go, isn't it? It's, I think it's one of like the, 
busiest school towns, cities uh, in the country, I imagine. Yeah, um, now I, I was brought up in a, in a little town in Lincolnshire in, in Britain called Spalding. And 10 miles away from that was the coast. And the little town on the coast was called Boston. And it's one of the places where the Pilgrim Fathers set off from. And, yeah, uh, yeah. and so your, your place is named after yeah. your place is named after the place I used to live near. A lot, of, a lot of our, especially East Coast uh, uh, locations are stolen from. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, improved. Let's call it improving. <laughs> yeah. um, you're, but, re- uh, you're redefining, doing it better. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, so, okay, so you're going through this this uh, brutal boarding school. Um, uh, Like, what is what is your goal when when you're a kid? Is it just to avoid being beaten? Is it to grow up and get out of here? Uh, Uh, Well, I I saw it's really strange. I I, 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 um, what's that syndrome? I I think I quite liked my captors in the end. Uh, um, Oh, Stockholm syndrome. Stockholm syndrome. I think I had a bit mm-hmm. of Stockholm syndrome um, because I quite enjoyed being at school and so and find it and, and, and um, but it was but it was brutal. Um, and what did I want to be? I, I really wanted to be an animator. Um, yeah. And when I was eleven, there was this wonderful. Um, there was a little television program, um, and there was a. I, I think there was a Sunday TV show, half an hour long of A Christmas Carol. It would be 1972 or 71. And I thought it was spectacular. It actually won an Oscar uh, for that year. And I looked up who had made it and I wrote to them. Uh, It was a Canadian man who was living and working in the UK. And he wrote back to me and invited me to the studio. So I I got togged up in my my school uniform and I went down to London for the first time to Soho Square. And I went to see this man and I went around his studio and I, I was so excited. I vomited on the way there, on the train, on the way. I vomited the moment I got out of his studio afterwards. <laughs> oh I, I, you know, I, I don't think there was really any vomit left by the time I got home in the evening. But I, but yeah, I, I, it, it was, I, I saw how these things were done. And I'd always loved uh, the Disney thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember also seeing very early manga, uh, not manga, very early anime. There was a mm-hmm. film called... Um, uh, the story of the story of Hans Christian Andersen, which was an early anime film, which had made it into the cinemas um, at about the same time, and and I, I just thought there was a there was a world there. I wanted to see how that worked, and I and I always wanted to move, I, I wanted pictures to move, and I didn't really care whether they looked like Mickey Mouse or whether they looked like Leonardo da Vinci. Um, I just thought everything really wants tends towards movement, um, and so I was doing my own little animated um, films on paper and I had no way of, 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 of filming them. Um, mm-hmm. I, was, I was just drawing and I was drawing movement and I, and I loved comic strip and I, I, I loved the idea of taking stories that I knew or, 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 or taking sort of boring bits of um, chemistry or something, a periodic table and turning that into a comic strip um, and I, I, or, or, or drawing or, or drawing my, um, my teachers down, down the side of my, um, my exercise books and getting into trouble for that. Um, yeah. Or drawing on my desk. Um, I, I, I was a fastidious drawer. Um, and um, I, I remember I, I, I had great difficulty with my art teacher who was really quite nasty to me. And he used to rip my work up in front of the class. And he would say, now I, 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 want, I want you to draw the child who is sitting opposite you. Um, and uh, Wilson, what are you doing? Well, I'm drawing the child who's sitting opposite me, sir. 
Yes. I haven't told you to start. No, I finished, actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want something slick like this and rip it up and throw it away. And, uh, and I thought maybe, maybe there isn't a future in drawing. Um, so maybe I have to look at the church. Um, yeah. And so I then thought maybe I need to become a monk or a priest. Um, and we had so many religions in my family anyway. I thought one more isn't going to do that much harm. Yeah. Um, and so, and so, I, 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 so, 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 so I had these two things. But I, but I think I was only looking at the church because I hadn't really discovered theatre. Yeah. Well, um, well, it was you were in a, a religious school, so was, was that? Do you think school, where? So yeah, it was inevitable. Um, and, uh, and my my three things were art, sort of academia, and theatre. Church seemed to express that rather well. Um, and I, I was a, when I eventually got got to that point, I was a dreadful monk. Um, yeah. I was um, I, I was constantly escaping to the local synagogue um, and, uh, and, and and to the local mosque um, and, and, and the local Anglican church. I I, I, I was very I was very interested in um, I still am very interested in different forms of religion and people who have no religion. I I just think um, I, I think all manner of belief is. It's fascinating. It, it's an inner life, you see. It's a. It, it, it's about. Um, it's about our the, the way our minds are working, and maybe religion is sort of metaphor um, for 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 that. It's a way of of, of dramatizing our inner our, our, our inner thinking. Our, our thinking. It's a way of dramatizing our thinking. Yeah. So, uh, so wh- when did you when did you make the decision that you felt like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go be a monk and was it do you um, think it was more uh did you think it came from a place of of worship of faith or oh, was god, it no, god no it came, from, <laughs> it came from a place of desperation i okay. thought um yeah I, I thought other things other things are not working and um uh i'd gone to one university and then i i really wanted to go to oxford and um for, 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 for one or two reasons I hadn't done. And, uh, and I applied to Oxford. I, I, I called up um, a college in Oxford. They accepted me. Um, and then the master died without having written, written all the paperwork. Um, so it had all been in his head. And the, the acting master then had an interview with me and, uh, and it looked as if I would have to do the exams again. And I thought, oh, my goodness. Um, yeah. and, um, and, and, and my mother was very disappointed. She thought I was going to become a dropout. Um, and I, I, but what am I going to do now? I would go away and become a monk. And so it was, it's a moment of de- desperation. I, I think, um, I, I, I think other people might have had suicidal tendencies. I had monastic tendencies. Um, <laughs> so and was- I, 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 so I was really bad and I got thrown out because, uh, I, I, I then did the Oxford exams. I got offered a place, um, and I didn't say anything. And then at the end of, at the end of the following year, I said, oh, I'm about to go off to Oxford. And then they were furious with me. Um, I just assumed they knew, but I assumed they could just see into my mind. They couldn't. So, so, um, so you went to be a monk and then you, you left after yeah. to go to Oxford? Go to Oxford. And I loved Oxford. I, I, I was in Oxford at a time when there was a wonderful British television program called Brideshead Revisited, an adaptation of the book by Evelyn Waugh. And so everybody was walking around the place with sort of pullovers on their on the uh, sort of rolled up on their sh- on, on on the back of their shoulders and uh, walking around with teddy bears. Well, I had a teddy bear, and more than that, I I, I had a white rabbit. I used to walk down the street. Um, so I think I fitted in rather well actually to this sort of mad eccentric sort of um, revival of the nineteen twenties. Um, I, I, I think who was it now? Byron used to have a bear. 
Uh, Oscar Wilde had a um, had a lobster that he walked, and Tim Wilson had a had a white rabbit. And on one on one dreadful occasion, my rabbit got away. Oh man! And um, and, and 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 met other rabbits. And uh, and and when when I got him back about a month later, he suddenly gave birth. So he was quite a magical rabbit. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and 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 I was quite convinced he was a boy, but he did give birth. Yeah. Quite a lot of quite a lot of baby rabbits. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I had I had to change his name. Um, and the rabbit lived. The rabbit lived in my fireplace. Uh, I, I had a wonderful ingle nook fireplace. You have to imagine a sort of cold, cold winter's night in a sort of um, in Boston with, with an ingle nook fireplace. Yeah, you, it, 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 it's like Sleepy Hollow, and, <laughs> um, <laughs> and 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 around the fireplace there was a sort of fender. And as the rabbit grew, I had to find ways of propping the fender up. Otherwise, the rabbit would leap out of the out of the fireplace and into the rest of the room, and then start nibbling the furniture. As rabbits do. And I thought, what can I do? Ah, but I got all these copies of Thomas Aquinas's book, the Summa Theologia, and, uh, and and so I put volumes of this because it ran to many volumes under the fender and lifted the fender up. And during the night, I'd hear the rabbit reading Thomas Aquinas, <laughs> uh, sort of ripping out of the pages and romping through, um, romping, romping through, romping mm. through serious medieval theology, adventurously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. And, well, I, uh, sorry. Go on. Uh, well, I, I want to know more about uh, about uh, being a monk. Um, the, the the time as a monk. Um, oh well, the time as monk sort of passes. Uh, monking. <laughs> monking was, what, what kind of what kind of monk were you? Well, I was I I, or, I, I was I, I belonged to a strange Italian religious order. So uh, so, so ultimately, it. it, it, um, it, it uh, it aspired to be contemplative. It aspired to be a silent order, but okay. actually, quite, quite a lot of noise was made. Um, and I was the person who used to do most of the cooking of breakfast and things. And I remember that I would look down from my podium where I had to read about people who died. And so during breakfast, we would read the martyrology, and so I'd be reading about people who were squashed under 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 heavy doors, and and then and that was stretched by horses. And it was a perfect thing to be having breakfast to. And, uh, and and there'd be some one old man sitting down down here. I'd just made him his eggs, and he would say, "My eggs not cooked properly. Did the boy cook the egg?" And I'd be saying, "And Margaret Clitheroe was stretched between four horses." And uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and you have these completely irrelevant comments. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I, I found ways of staying in bed until the last possible minute um, early yeah. in the morning. I found well, that. Um, the, the, the monk costume, that black, that black um, sort of onesie, really. Um, that, that black costume covers everything, so see, 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 so you can you can still wear your pajamas underneath it, and, and 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 get an extra half an hour in bed when everybody else is sort of running around the place pretending to have tea and coffee and bleary eyed. I thought, no, the trick is to stay in bed for that half an hour, enjoy the bed, and then leap into the in, 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 into this black onesie, rush down to the church and start singing and pretend that you've been up for half an hour. And I found that works very well with um with everything, even in the circle. I you know, yeah. I wake up like that, bang, and I'm away. And no one could believe I'd do that. Right. Yeah. Open the eyes, off we go. Um, and that I learned in, in, in the monastery. I learned many things. I learned how to breathe in the monastery. You yeah. know, if you, if you're feeling really, um, really stressed, just breathe. And, you know, there, there, there's a, there's a lot of religious stuff and sort of, um, 
theories of meditation behind that. There's, there's one thing called the Jesus prayer, but, but essentially it comes down to just breathing and, uh, and breathing is terribly important. And you, you, you know, you, you, you can put great, great theory around that. The word, um, inspiration, um, is, is a Latin word, inspiro, which simply means to breathe in. Um, so if you control your breathing, you're going to be more relaxed. You're going to be able to do things and you can't do anything if you don't breathe. You're just going to stop. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's that's it. So you you need to be in control of these things. I so I, I learned that, and I I learned how to sort of meet deadlines. I think sort yeah. of, um, and then and then after I got out of the monastery and I was in Oxford, and um, I never had enough money, so I did a lot of artwork, and I was always trying to meet a deadline, either, either write, writing essays very quickly or or, or, or doing posters or or, or 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 illustrations for people. Um, and uh, or, or learning lines for a play. I mean, you know, it, it, that, that's a great one because you're, you you can't turn up halfway halfway through halfway through the third act of Hamlet and say, so, you know, to be or not to be, that is the question. Whether there's no sorry, I haven't learned anymore. That's where I stopped. You, you, you can't. The audience has paid its money. You have to complete the job. Yeah, um, and, and that's a great a great thing to learn early on in life. Um, you know, you got to do the job. Was was there ever uh, an inclination that you felt like that you would stay as a monk? That you would ever? Uh, I would love to have stayed as a monk. Mm-hmm. I, I I felt so secure, um, but no, they threw me out. They threw me out for an act of gross disobedience for applying to Oxford without permission. Yeah. And, um, and and out I went. Boom! There's the door. You can go tomorrow, or you you know um, you, you you can agree to um, to go to Cambridge next year and stay. Or you can you can go to Oxford. You can leave immediately, and I was out of the door within twenty minutes. Wow, was that was that a, like a painful experience to to be kicked out like that? It seemed pretty brutal. My life ended. Um, yeah, it, it seemed pretty brutal. I got over it. Um, you know, it, I did a bit of breathing. Um, yeah. I, strugg- I struggled with my suitcase um, for about fifteen miles. I think I don't think I had a car, um, and I don't know how to drive anyway. So, um, and I, I sort of lumbered on. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you just sort of you just make do. You deal with some. Um, you deal with life. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you must have had these experiences too. Probably, but very different uh, actual circumstances. But probably yeah. similar feelings. Yeah, I, I remember when I was I was caught in Greece, and I suddenly found I didn't have anywhere. I didn't have any way to get back to the UK, mm. and I had no money. And some old man said, uh, "Hey, hey, Sonny." Uh, would you like to look after my goats? And I said, oh, great. I mean, I thought, you know, I could look after two or three goats. I had a hundred goats up a mountainside, um, and they gave me a house with no doors and expect me, expect me to sleep across the doorway um, to stop the goats getting out. Um, I, I, I had a wonderful time, really. When I think back about back on it, it was, it, it was blissful and bucolic. Great word, um, uh, but it was actually very smelly and really, rather, really, rather terrifying. And I simply didn't know what was going to happen next. Um, but you know, uh, a little passage of time colors one's experience. Yeah, well, I imagine that. I mean, this is a lot of experience to accumulate uh, as, when, when you're so young. Like, was there a lot of, especially like being a monk? Like, was did that afford you an opportunity to do a lot of self-reflection and, and, and grow? Oh, God, or? No, 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 no. There was no self-reflection. I mean, do, do I look like a man who's done much self-reflection? <laughs> no, for goodness sake. No, I, um, introspection. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, now, now I'm doing self-reflection, aren't I? Um, 
I don't know. I, I suppose a certain amount of self-reflection is inbuilt, but there's there's not much to think about. No, nothing happens in a monastery, really. Mm-hmm. And, and certainly nothing happens in a private way because uh, you, you don't go out anywhere. You don't, you don't have experiences beyond the confines of the, of the monastery. It's, it's a little bit like being a small child. Mm-hmm. Um, small, small children don't really have anything to tell their mother because their mother is sort of party to everything that they do. And then suddenly they go away to school and the small child comes back and has got these stories about a life that, that, that their mother has no access to in school. And, and, and this becomes, A, quite thrilling, but also quite sort of um, difficult, I think. Um, and, 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 you know, parents suddenly see their children disappearing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they say, oh, why, why is my teenager rebelled? Why is my teenager no longer the, the lovely little girl that, that, that she was when she was, um, when she was three? Well, because she's got different experiences and, she's, and, and, and she's, she's bringing those experiences to you and you have to adjust to that. So life is all about adjusting, I think. Gosh, that's yeah. very deep. I'm so sorry. I I that's, that's what we're here for. Um, so, uh, so you, so you have eventually went to, uh, to university. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, so I, 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 I went to a number of universities, but uh, Oxford okay. was, Oxford really was number two. And then I, then I did some stuff in London university and, um, I did some teacher training as well, but not, not until I'd been teaching for a while. So, um, so how did you go from, uh, you know, essentially, you know, wanting to potentially be an animator, artist, uh, but also, I guess, inter- interested in, in academia to a degree to, yeah. okay, going to go, go be a monk for a year. All right, now back in school. Well, uh, I, I, I continued, I continued everything. I, I, I've never let anything drop. Okay. Really. So I, so I continued my interest in theology and so the, the business of monking. Um, I, that's my academic discipline, really. I, I do a bit of philosophy as well, but, um, but, but, but essentially my academic, oh, look, I've, I've literally got the cat sitting next to me now. Isn't, oh. isn't that sweet? Um, but, um, uh, so, um, and I, I, I always did some teaching simply to get money. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I was drawing all the time, literally all the time. I, and, and I've never stopped that. I've, I've, um, and wherever I could get a job doing a bit of animation, I did. Um, so, so I, I've always managed sort of two or three jobs at any one time, and I've never stopped doing that. Even now, I, I, I think I'm still juggling a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the only time when I when when I was when I've seriously only ever done one job for a period of time, I think actually was while I was in the circle. Yeah, um, and and even then I was. Uh, I, I, I think uh, I, I, uh, they allowed me to take some books in with me, and I took in a copy of Little Dorrit. My God, that's boring. Um, it's one of Ch- Charles Dickens' really off days. I mean, it takes such a long time to get into that book. Um, and I, I, I've been meaning to read it for for years, and I thought, now is the time I'll, I'll, I'll get through it. And it was uh, it really is not a page-turner. And... Um, you, well, it is eventually, but you have to get into it. Now, the, the the Dickens book I really like is a book called Dombey and Son, which isn't about a son at all. It's, a, it's, a, it's such a misnomer as a title. Um, but, um, but but I also took some so some music scores in. I took some opera scores in. I took a um, I took a copy of um, a Gilbert and Sullivan's Trial by Jury, um, and I took a copy of Figaro, and I uh, I, think, I think that was it. And, and I read the scores, and I so. So I was sort of doing work. I was doing, and I was sort of imagining what, what would it be like to animate Trial by Jury or to animate Figaro, um, and, and could could we have 
traditional 2D Disney-style animated opera. So, so that that was the little private life I had while I was in the circle. Have you have you uh, have you gone anywhere with that? Oh God, yes, I've got the whole thing storyboarded. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But I I, I, I remember at some point. Um, uh, I, I can't remember whether it was just before, just before I went in, somebody said, oh, uh, you know, you can't, you, 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 you can't take in any, you can't take in any music. And I said, well, I can take in the score. And they, they looked at me very, very oddly. And I, think, I can, I, I can hear it in my head. I, I, I yeah, no, I, I follow these little notes. They go up and down and you can sort of hear it. Um, and that's quite exciting. I, I find that you know, that's fun. I, I can't always sing it. I can't always sing it accurately, but I can hear it. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that as a way like around having like not being able to listen to it. Um, oh. I, I wouldn't be able to hear uh, a score uh, like instrumentally, but, uh, yeah, but I, yeah, I was. I don't think I can hear it instrumentally, but I can see where the notes are going. And, and, yeah. and some, sometimes you, you look at, particularly with a full orchestral score, you, you, you look at what the violins are doing and the violins doing. My God, the violins do this amazing thing here. And nobody picks that up because they're following a piano score, mm-hmm. and, and, and sudden and suddenly you've got this amazing thing which is being done here, and you think, well, wow, well, I could do something visually on that. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and, I, and, and look at this. Yeah, and the tune I, here moves from one from one group of voices to another group of voices. Couldn't we do something visually to to, to indicate that that's happening? And it would be sort of subliminal because an audience wouldn't pick up all the detail, but I would know it was there, and it would sort of fit. Yeah, it's it's an interesting way to to look at it because um, I, I I started sort of my professional career as uh, as an as an editor, a video editor. Um, Perfect. And uh, and music was always super important to me in terms of editing um, because it gives you rhythm. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and it, and it, 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 it's, it's so important. Like rhythm is the, the most important thing in, in my opinion, at least when it yeah. comes to editing. Um, and so, uh, music is, is a great way to, uh, to, to link, uh, yeah. with, with an edit. Um, and I'd never thought of actually digging into like the score of, uh, of, of a piece of music to well, you, you, sort of you get ideas. Where, because there are other rhythms in there. Yeah. Uh, and, and other sort of runs of, of, of instruments, um, but particularly when you're looking at sort of Victorian music, where, where it's really very detailed, mm-hmm. and um, and it, 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 it's so beautiful. And when you're editing a film, you know you edit you edit often on a movement, don't you? Yeah, you edit this so somebody's moving, and then you then you do your cut, and you and, and you sort of hide that. You don't need to do too much of a fade from one thing to another because you sort of you've hidden it in a musical moment. Um, yeah, well, it's it's always been very very sort of. Um uh, just based on like instinct, like it's just sort of, uh, because I, I, I think the reason why I was, uh, if I can call myself a good editor, uh, the reason why I, I was able to do anything with editing, I think was because I grew up just constantly watching yeah. things. And so this, the first time I ever edited anything, I just instinctually knew this this is where we're doing the cut um yep. and and it and it worked uh, like i i i feel like i i didn't do any work to to make that happen other than spend my life watching things yeah and and and, and you know our, uh t- today in the 21st century we we're, we're dominated by this sort of visual culture of film mm-hmm. um and so much of it i think was um i i think there's three great films that define the medium of film. There's Battleship Potemkin, which gives us the basic 
tricks of editing, um, then then I think you have to wait quite a long time until uh, until Mary Poppins. And Mary Poppins suddenly gives you the ability to put one world entirely and believably in another. Um, and then I think you need to go a little bit further to um, 1989, no, 1982. Oh, I can't remember. Uh, Roger Rabbit, anyway. Okay. 86, 86 87. It is 89. It is 89. 88. Um, and uh, 87. And, and and Roger Rabbit, suddenly suddenly you've got that sort of finesse. And and from that, you get things like Star Wars, and well, you, you've already got Star Wars, but you, you you get the development of the of the of, of, of the big um, cinema um, spectacular, um, which 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 still dominates our our screens today, where we where we're moved into a world that cannot possibly exist, and and and, and also you know pe- pe- people people like Tarantino seem to me to be inspired very much by. By, by the Hollywood musical, as as much as by westerns and by the sort mm-hmm. of war, war movie genre, um, but but that, uh, and that and that takes us back to this idea of ephemera because the Hollywood musical is something in a way you just sort of throw it away, but it's um but it's so much work goes into it, um, yeah, and um and, and it's sort of frivolous, but it's hard work being frivolous. It's hard work being funny. It's hard work being ju- just sort of entertaining. Yeah. Um, did you did you ever teach any classes on uh, on film? Yeah. I, I, yeah. 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 I've I've, I've 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 done film theory a little bit. I've I've done animation classes, uh, particularly in Russia, um, where there's a great great fascination, great uh, a great love of animation and, and and the technique of it all, and and, and how how do you, how do you do it? How do you tell a story? Mm-hmm. Um, can, can you tell? I mean, you know, if if if, if you're interested in editing, uh, you come down to the question of what is film? Is film about dialogue? No, really, it's about it's about telling a story visually and through the edit. Yeah. Uh, so you can almost take all the words away. I, I find it fascinating watching films in languages I don't understand. Um, and you often find you've got you've got someone who's very enthusiastic and wants to translate for you. Oh, for God's sake, shut up. <laughs> um, you know, because the film is, if the film is any good, it's still going to communicate whether you've got subtitles or not. Yeah. You're still going to, that language is visual and, uh, and, and, and the, and the dialogue is, is, is an extra. Um, that, that, that's all. That's why I loved editing it. It, uh, it felt to me like, um, it, it, it always felt to me like the most powerful role in the creative process. Um, oh God, it because, is powerful. yeah. Yep. And I feel like people don't, always see that because you know and well, if, sometimes if it's done really well it's like it, it, it's like espionage you've done it without yeah. being seen um you know you, you are the james bond of the film world mm-hmm. um <laughs> and there there are there, there are very like powerful creative visionaries that will often like very tightly storyboard their yeah. uh their films and and give a lot of direction to the editor but uh but that that was never you know i didn't work on films like that uh so i always had a very strong sort of creative but even, even if you're storyboarding, there's still quite yeah. a lot of um, scope for the editor. And, 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 and that storyboarding thing, that is Disney, by the way. Yes. Um, you, you know, so again, you go back to your, to your Mary Poppins and you go back to your, to, to, to your Disney canon. And, and, and again, you're looking at, some, uh, at an art form which could, we could say, oh, my gosh, this is just being thrown away for children. But it defines the medium and now it rules Hollywood. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and with good reason. With good reason. Um, yeah, you know, they, they, they I, I think they don't, they don't really make bad things. Well, well how, can, how can you, you, when you've got that wealth of, 
wealth of knowledge and wealth of experience, um, yeah. and, um, and 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 a pool of talent. I, it, it seems to me to be it seems to me to be very difficult to get it monumentally wrong. Of course, occasionally people do, but um, uh, yeah. You know. Yeah, well, um, I, I feel it's interesting. I feel like at that level, uh, it, it, the the sort of um, the grading scale shifts, right? Uh, where I think they failed if they've made something that's average. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. But of course, you, you can't. The, the other thing is, you can't always be changing the format. You can't always be defining the format uh, mm-hmm. with, with everything you do. Uh, a lot of the things you do, you just have to reconcile yourself to the fact that you're going to follow. A formula that works. I, one of the things I think so, is so wonderful is, uh, you know, the big action films like Indiana Jones. No, nothing is really redefined there. It's just mm. doing. It's following that formula incredibly well. Yeah. Um, and when you break that, that uh, then you start to have difficulty with sort of, um, you know, the, the Bond franchise is another really good example um, of something that keeps redefining itself, but essentially it's following a formula that works. Um, and um, and and when you break that, I, you know, it's very difficult to come back and do something um, and, and sort of redefine something. So the um, I thought the film of Cats, I felt sort of slightly missed it. Yeah, um, I, I did not see that one. Yeah, I, I, I don't think you should really. <laughs> um, um, uh, but uh, Mary Poppins Returns, I, I I thought was a very very good effort to to do yeah. to, to follow the formula almost to the almost to the beat, but it would have been so nice if the main characters had really been able to sing. Um, yeah. I mean, they, were, they, they were great. And, um, uh, and the Hamilton guy is just so winsome and gorgeous. Um, I mean, he needs a film on his, uh, uh so right. Well, I think he's, he's directing one anyway. So, um, um, <laughs> uh, no, he's a major star, major star. But, um, yeah. Where, where are we going now? Uh, where, wherever you want. Uh, well, t- tell me what you, t- you talked a lot about, uh, you know, uh, being in Russia. Oh, yes, the, that was an accident as well. Um, how, how did that happen? Uh, I found myself, I found myself teaching, um, in a, in, in, in a funny school in Oxford. Um, and increasingly it was taking on Russian students. And, um, some of them asked me if I would go over to Russia and do some teaching in the holidays. And I was only too happy to do that fascinating country. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I remember the first time going over there and the snow was sort of almost up to my head and it was very cold. And I, I stood on a bridge, an iron bridge opposite the Kremlin and I drew the Kremlin and <laughs> I thought my hands were going to drop off. Um, and, um, uh, and and then I, get in, I got introduced to various people and somebody asked me if I would... Um, uh, if, if, if I would give some lectures in one of the universities, and I was very flattered, and I went along, and and the next thing I knew, I was offered a job, um, and I don't think it ever really paid, um, but, um, but but I was very devoted to my students, and um, I, I had a wonderful masters class which went on for a few years, where I was um, we, we we were looking at the difference between teaching and learning. Um, so so if, if you're teaching, really, you're you're, you're trapped behind a desk. Shut up, write, and 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 do this. That's what that's what you do when you're being taught. Mm-hmm. But when you're learning, you feel you want to be liberated from the desk. You want to stand up and say, "Look, I've learned something," and 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 sort of move around. And so the furniture of a university, the furniture of a school, needs to be changed if we're going to be encouraging learning rather than teaching. 
I, I'm, I'm very interested in uh, like, I think that as, as a professor, the, the idea that you have lived uh, an interesting life and you've done a bunch of different things and you've gone to different cultures. Uh, I think that's so important because that helps I think obviously you understand the sort of context of the knowledge, um, but I imagine it also helps you sort of uh, convey yeah. that. Well, it, it, it's odd because uh, what, what's strange about this, this this talk? I don't know how this is going to how, how this is going to communicate to your audience because it, it seems to me to be a very slightly heavy, and I do apologize. Oh, it's it, it, um, sometimes these get way heavier. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Um, because I find so. Um, when I was doing the circle, I um, all sorts of theory disappeared, and what you got was light bouncing, bounciness. But the theory underpins that the, um, the the thought is genuinely going on inside the head. Um, and and for about ten years, I I was involved in directing opera, and I found a lot of the time um, it was sort of so much better for me to pretend to be completely ignorant um, because. The the, the the MD the mu- the musician the conductor was always so much better about uh, uh, the musical performance than I ever would be so I didn't want to interfere with that um, and uh, and I found all I had to do was set up an environment where the where the story could take place and because mm-hmm. I was designing as well as directing I, I I could move my scenery around I could redesign the scenery if um if I had a particularly difficult soprano or tenor. Sopranos can be terribly difficult. Um, and, you know, oh, I only, I only ever sing from down here. Okay, okay, we'll do that. Um, but, um, but and, and, then, and then, you know, if you sat quietly for long enough, they would actually get to the point that you were looking for. And you didn't necessarily know, one doesn't necessarily know what is right, because it's not, right for, it's not what's right for, for me or what's right for the story but it's what's right for that particular performer. Because there's no point saying this is the way to do it if that performer can't do it. But that performer can find that character within themselves if you, if you give them that right stimulus. And that isn't about giving them lots of theory. You have mm-hmm. to have the theory, but sometimes you need to shut your mouth and, 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 and let the moment develop. Um, and you never know quite when that's going to happen. Um, I, I did have some disastrous moments. I mean, I, um, there, there, there was one occasion. Am I allowed to tell this story? It's, <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it's slightly rude. Um, oh, no, but, yeah, go for it. Uh, oh, right, okay. There, there was one occasion when, 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 when uh, I, only had an, I only had a chorus. I think I had a chorus audition. I had a chorus um, rehearsal um, for – I only had two sessions with them, I think. So it was two, two three-hour sessions. That was it. Um, and, and I knew that I wanted the chorus to do a little dance and my choreographer hadn't turned up and I thought, Oh God, what am I going to do? Because I, I, I have no sense of, I, I have every sense of movement, but I, I'm not very good with the movement myself. Um, so I thought, okay, I'm just going to have to choreograph this myself. And I got into a habit of sitting on a chair, a little wooden chair in the rehearsal studio. And it was, it was a pretty, uh, rickety old chair. Um, and it had nails sticking up all over it. And it's just, um, and, and, and I, uh, and, and I remember on this occasion, I got up from the chair and as I got up, there was a sort of ripping sound. And then I turned around and I did, I did my little dance for them. And, uh, uh, so, so they were looking at me from behind, um, and they all followed the movement. And, and then I sat down and as I sat down, I put my hands behind me because I wanted to avoid the nails. And I realized my intense horror that what I could actually feel was flesh. And it wasn't. <laughs> 
it, it wasn't that, that there'd been a slight rip in the trousers, pants, you would say, but actually the underwear had also ripped. Oh. And, and a complete, a, a, a complete sort of, a complete square of, of, um, of clothing had detached itself. And I was, um, I, 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 think, I think the polite term is I was mooning at the entire chorus. <laughs> um, and it was one of those occasions when, again, rather like falling, to, falling asleep in my own lecture, nobody actually said anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the problem was when I had to get up and demonstrate the next movement, and I, 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 thankfully I had, a, I had a coat on the back of my chair, and I sort of slid that over my, over my shoulders. <laughs> I, I, I must look like some sort of strange, <laughs> some, some sort of strange spy. Um, but, um, but, but yeah, anyway, so, but there, there, and, and auditions, you know, get, having people coming in, you, you knew the moment when they walked through the door, if you wanted them. And so when they sang, it was just a matter of sort of checking whether or not they had the notes. Um, but there was some, there'd be some people who come along and they couldn't sing. And there would be a point, you've seen a hundred people and you're a little bit giggly anyway. You think, is there, is there any way that I can actually stuff this handkerchief in my mouth? Um, (laughs) how do i stop my shoulders going up and down and and um and it doesn't matter how self-controlled you are after a hundred people you're just giggly um and it's dreadful and i felt so and these people mean well but do they have no and and that's what um simon cowell is all about really and and Mm. he's sort of um and, and these game shows where where, 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 where where people who clearly have no talent think that they're wonderful and no one has told them. And, of course, they do They do make riveting television, but it, I think it's cruel. Yeah. Ultimately, ultimately, I think that's cruel television in a way that I think The Circle wasn't cruel. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think The Circle, um, at its heart, is an incredibly um, benign program. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it only becomes a little bit cruel when people are playing uh, have, have sort of misunderstood the message and they and, and they're trying to um, they're trying to win at all costs, which I think is, is yeah. Oh, yeah. So there is a point where it becomes cruel, perhaps. I I think I think there is um, I think probably the the cruelest element of it is probably uh, that. I do feel like they want people to be duped from the catfishing uh, because that is entertaining yeah, the, to watch. Yeah, it's entertaining to watch. But the, but the, but the catfishing is a is, is a um, it, it was always a misunderstanding of the of the show. The show is about popularity, mm-hmm. and it really doesn't matter whether you're popular as yourself or as somebody else. Um, if, if you're going to catfish, then you've got to do it well. I had a sense uh, in, in in the program that I was in as a fellow called Sammy. Or, or actually the fellow called James, who pretended to be Sammy. And Sammy had a young boy called Charlie. And um, when, when, when I looked at each of these characters, I drew them. And I had great difficulty drawing Sammy. And I had great difficulty drawing Jay. I, these are two people who are two catfish. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay I couldn't draw because he wasn't real. Um, and, uh, and once I'd worked that out, I realized that Sa- I couldn't draw Sammy either because she wasn't real. And I don't think it was broadcast, but I remember I, I looked at it and I, and the first thing I said is mother and child. Well, that's worked for 2000 years. Um, and I, I, every time I tried, tried to draw Sammy and Charlie, what I ended up with was a picture that looked like the Madonna and child. <laughs> it, look, it looked like an icon. Yeah. Um, and you know, so I wanted Sammy to be the best mother and child possible. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I threw myself into that, into that fiction. I was quite happy to go along with that. Um, and, but, 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 uh, but James, I think, thought halfway through the show that 
that there was a limit to how much he could talk about Charlie because Charlie didn't exist. Right. And he, and he started to sort of become Sammy and to do more about Sammy. And it was a bit disappointing. And I think I, I think I slightly irritated him by constantly asking him questions about Charlie. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> You'd be like, I see what you're doing, Tim. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it, it, it wasn't because I was being spiteful. It was because I wanted him to be the best mother and child that he could be. <laughs> um, and uh, and when I finally met him, I wasn't that surprised. And, and uh, you know, I, I've seen some Twitter feeds saying, oh, Tim is so, so shocked. I wasn't shocked. I just thought that, that he could have been better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and I thought he was channeling himself. He was Charlie. He didn't quite get that. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and Sammy was his mother. Yeah. Um, and that's why he understood it so well, because he had experienced that. It's, um, it's, it's so interesting yeah. to me, the idea of trying to pretend to be somebody else and essentially just watching people fail at it over and over. Because I think yeah. that, uh, it's, it's, it's almost backwards where I feel like the people with the most amount of empathy are the most capable of lying successfully. Because- I would, yeah, I would love to do it. I, I, would, I, um, my my first idea was to be a catfish. Yeah. And my first idea was to be Mrs. May. I, I don't think your audience is going to know who Mrs. May is. In fact, in about five years' time, no one's going to know who Mrs. May was. Mrs. May was was one of our most dreadful prime ministers. Um, and uh, she she did sort of almost nothing for three years. But then before that, she was the Home Secretary, and she sort of messed up visas. And um, and, and, and she was a lady who sort of thought bureaucracy was terribly important. Um and bureaucracy is such a dreadful word anyway. It's a bastard word. It's a mixture of Greek and French, bureau and kratos, um, rule by the desk. Um, and, um, and and I thought, oh, very exciting to be Mrs. May. So first of all, I went out to try and see if I could find some, is it kitten heels? It's, it's, anyway, I couldn't find any in my size. And, and it, it seemed a very strange thing to be doing. And then I was sort of thinking, and, and I, I thought, I've never, I've never, I've never done any shopping for women's clothes. And I, I had an afternoon trying to do that and just thinking, I can't imagine Mrs. May doing this. Maybe she does it all through a catalogue. Um, and, 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 and so after a few days, I just thought, there just isn't a lot of room here. Um, so, so the joke that, that I could be Mrs. May sitting in, sitting in the circle, sort of bewailing the fact that I've just destroyed the country. Um, <laughs> wasn't enough to sustain me over sort of more than a week's sort of um, circle performance. Right. Um, and then who else could I be? And I just thought, hey, better to be me, actually. But, you know, now, I, now I'd, be, I'd be interested by the challenge, but um, it, it requires acting. It requires understanding another person and then finding that other person, not, 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 not knowing another person, but finding that other person within yourself. And that's why I think... Um, um, Sivan is doing so well because he's finding his inner Rebecca mm-hmm. and why, why Alex did so well because he found his inner Kate and, um, and actually really why, why James did so well because he, he did find to some extent his inner Sammy. Yeah. Um, and so if you can find, if you can inhabit that character, um, then, then you become that character and that, and, and that's, that's quite magical to see. Um, and I can't think of any other program that would actually allow you to do that. Yeah. And it it, it says so much about like identity and, uh, and the way that we look at ourselves and the way that we look at other people. And, uh, of course it's all filtered through social media and, and, and that sort of thing. But I I think where people are hiding behind some, somebody else, 
then it doesn't work. So Mercedes, mm-hmm. um, Karen, she, she was hiding behind this, uh, this Mercedes character who she didn't really get. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think Sean is probably doing the same thing. Um, and there just comes a point where why hide? Yeah. Um, and what I'm, what I'm hiding is the best bit of me. And, and, that, and that's a bit which sort of, it, it, it so defines me and I want to hide that. It, it, it seems sort of, so I, I've, I'm, instead of liberating myself, I'm restricting myself. Yeah. Like, uh, and, and, and of course that sort of like relates to the internet as a whole, where you are basically in control of your image. Um, you can completely fake and be somebody else, or you can be you, but a version of you that, yeah. uh, that says a certain thing about you. Um, and you know, we get a lot of that about like, how things like Facebook or Instagram uh, can be damaging just to be uh, a part of because you're only seeing the highlights of other people's lives and it makes you look at like the non highlights of your life and they're like, well, in comparison to that uh, makes you feel worse about yourself. Um, And so, and that's of course like a, a cycle because then you feel like you need to compete. And so you put all of your highlights on and my highlights are going to be as good as other people's highlights. Um, and there, there is a lot of, of, uh, things about identity in social media, uh, that I think people, and I think that like, it's all, it's all meaningless there. And, and people think that it will mean something and, and it will translate to a show like the circle. And so they go on to the circle thinking that's how it's going to work. I'm going to show only the best parts or I'm going to c- create a, a highlight reel. That's not even me to begin with. Yep. But yep. 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 at the end of the day, what people respond to is a genuine person, well, like I, a, I, I, a genuine feeling of something. I think they also respond to vulnerability. I think yes. there's a, um, so, so, so the point which I think, the, the point at which I think I came to life um, was 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 when I was being attacked by Richard Madeley. So I ought to be quite grateful to Richard Madeley for attacking me and my cat. Um, but um, it was very painful at the time. But but what it meant was I I I was exposed to somebody who was vulnerable. So suddenly, so, suddenly one saw the sort of. Um, a person who was actually quite quite, quite upset, um, and, um, and 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 I think the same thing with 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 with, with Sammy James. Um, there, there were points at which I, I I think when 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 he was feeling very low and so not not knowing whether or not the thing could move forward, that was his vulnerability coming out, and that made him more lovable. Um, and and definitely definitely with um, with Alex and Kate. Um, you saw him struggling to do to, to portray Kate, and that that vulnerability made him more lovable. Um, Woody um, in the early in the early programs, I've, I've only ever seen I've only seen up to episode four, by the way. So I'm, I'm rather useless. Um, but uh, but but those early programs, he's struggling to to deal with sort of communicating. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, and I remember we didn't communicate very early on. Um, and once we did, I, uh, it was about the sort of time when, when, when Ella came in and suddenly I remember feeling that Woody was blossoming, um, because he felt he had friends. Yeah. Um, but you know, the audience would have warmed to him because of that vulnerability that they saw really very early on. Um, and so I think vulnerability plays, and that's not something generally people are thinking of when they're thinking of hiding behind a fake image. Yeah. And, and I feel like a lot of people, uh, 
will sometimes go to an extreme of like, I feel like sometimes people will try to smother others in their vulnerability in a way. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, uh, like here are all of my problems all of the time. And those are the people who are like, will, will like pace post uh, those sorts of things on social media all the time. Um, but that seems like a, a, just a different method of doing the same thing of hiding. You're, you're sort of hiding yeah. with all of these things. You're like pushing oh, yeah. them all out in front of you. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And so, but I feel like, I feel like the response to that sort of dis, discourages people from like actually like opening up and displaying vulnerabilities, uh, without sort of smothering people in them. Um, because you're worried that by revealing insecurities or vulnerabilities that you yeah. are going to somehow turn people off. I, I, I think an, an, another example of the vulnerability in, in the U.S. version is it, it, it was, was in Joey's wonderful cake making, um, <laughs> yeah. which um, uh, I it, it wasn't just the cake was such a gorgeous disaster, but but he looked as if he'd been through a shipwreck, um, <laughs> I, and 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 you just you just wanted to give him a hug, yeah, um, and, and and he's not uh, he he was like uh, like yeah, do you know what this is me? I suck at this. It's fine. Um, um, but when, but in that first episode, you know, where he where he's putting all the sort of brown stuff on his face and stuff, I I, I thought this man is, you know, he's too he's too sort of in control, mm-hmm. um, and, and 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 to see all that sort of control is still there, but it's sort of and he's sort of aware that he's, um, yeah, I I I I, I love Joey actually, I think, I think Joey's a tremendous character, yeah, um, and and Shuby of course. Um, Shuby's smile and, uh, and and his desire to um, to throw himself into everything. Um, again, you just feel such um, you, you feel so protective of him. And I'm not quite sure, I'm not quite sure what's going on there. Um, but, but almost the moment he appeared, you felt protective. Don't, yeah, don't, don't you think? I think so. I mean, I think I think that it's sort of. Uh, I think he, he kind of has sort of like the little brother role in, in the game and, uh, and, and just sort of, I think because he is with a bunch of people who are all at the very least pretending to be, if not are like these like young, like super attractive single people. Uh, and then you've got, you know, Shuby who's a little softer and not into the flirting and not that yeah. archetype. Uh, he, he feels very much like the sort of like little brother that just is not meant for that sort of thing. And so we should like make sure that we don't, uh, you know, uh, hurt him in, hurt him in any way. Um, I feel like that's yeah. how they feel about it. Like, uh, like, no, sh- sh- don't, man, don't be mean to Shuby. Uh, it's not, it's not okay. Um, and, and I like that. I feel like the circle also exposes some great things about our culture, which is that, uh, people like Shuby and, uh, and even like, like Woody, when he was having trouble at first on your season, um, yeah. like maybe the first, first impression wasn't fantastic, but, very quickly people were like well that's we don't want him to be excluded we don't like that we want to bring him in we want people to feel good um and i think that uh even though the circle can expose some negative qualities like an a quick rush to judgment and you know uh in group versus out group excluding people stuff, stuff like that um there's also some some good in in it as well where uh i do feel like 
you know, it, it sort of exposes that, okay, yeah, maybe, maybe being attractive helps you on a first impression a little bit, but in the long run, doesn't really matter much on the circle. Uh, it doesn't really matter much, uh, you know, who you are or what you do. Uh, what matters is that you're genuine and that you're kind and, uh, and people will, will respond to yep. that at the end of the day. Yep. Yep. And uh, the, the other thing Shuby gets, which, which, which I'm really impressed by, um, is that being an influencer is not a very pleasant experience. <laughs> Uh, he immediately got that. Um, I mean, on one occasion, I, 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 I think, um, I think I howled with, with, with horror when I, when I was made an influencer. So, and I, I never expected at any point to be, I always expected to be at the bottom of the ratings. Yeah. Um, but I remember on one occasion I was particularly disappointed because I knew that it was going to mean blocking Brooke. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I knew there would be no choice. Um, and, uh, and it wasn't something I wanted to do. Um, and, um, and, and, and so you've also got that, that bit where you're forced to do things which you really don't want to do. Yeah. Um, and the games are much the same sort of thing. The games push you into a position where you've got, <laughs> you've got to do horrible things. Um, and you've got to say horrible things, um, and defend it or, yeah, yeah. There's so many, so, so many levels. What's it, what's it like have like being in the public eye? I mean, is this the the most exposed that you feel like you've been in sort of in terms of like the public eye? Or do you feel like you've because uh, you've certainly done public things before? I've done uh, well because I, I I've done political things before. Yeah. So Shuby and I have some um, <laughs> have, have some parallels. Um, yeah, because I I, I was uh, we we just had a thing called Brexit, um, right. and. Uh, and I could see this thing coming a long time before, but I was worried that it was linked to racism. And I wanted to see whether or not the, the party that was promoting Brexit really was racist. So I sort of, I, I, I catfished. Um, and, I, and I found myself so on the front page of the newspaper and on the BBC, um, sort of challenging the leader of that party, um, who, um, who, who still hasn't actually apologized for uh, what, what was the most egregious um, sort of racist comment, not made by him, I must point out, but made by another member of his party um, against somebody else, not 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 against me. And and, and his his argument, um, uh, Farage's argument, is why why is this strange bearded man taking taking up the t- 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 taking up a fight against um, against me for um, uh, for something which really isn't my fault? And uh, you know, he 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 had good reason to think. Well, to be suspicious of me, but it did mean that I was I was in the public eye for a short period, and that was very very um, intense, but quite brief. Mm-hmm. And this has been slightly less intense and over a much longer period. And it's rather lovely walking down the street. I was in Brighton yesterday, no, the day before. Um, I, I went to see Woody, and I think I must have been stopped. Oh. 20 or 30 times and, and and I would have thought by now it would have stopped I would have thought by now that bubble would have burst but there are times when you just sort of um, it, it's lovely somebody stops you on the street or or you're filming something and somebody opens a window and says Tim! and <laughs> it is very sweet I can actually make this person's day yeah. uh, and uh, and that's my job um, and, and the same thing with Instagram you know people follow me I I, I, I try to go on it and have a look and see if I can follow them, but sometimes their profiles are, are blank um, or private, and so you can't you can't follow them. You can't look at their pictures. Sort of doom, doom, doom. Um, 
But when you can, you can sometimes you can say things, and, or you can like a picture, and they, they, they you know, you, you can touch them. Um, and uh, I would love somebody to have done that to me. So I think here's my opportunity to give something back. Uh, they voted for me. Yeah. So I feel constantly, um, it's, uh, and, and sometimes you're feeling sort of a bit down, or you're. Or, 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 or you've got a piece of chocolate stuck in your mouth and, and somebody comes up to you and you think, oh, swallow quickly. And, um, <laughs> ah, and, and, and it brightens up your day too. A little bit of niceness goes a long way in order. I mean, I, mean, I think it comes back to you. You talked about how in a lot of ways you are an entertainer, even as a professor. Um, yeah. And was that always a, an element of, you know, this artistic side of you that was interested in animation and, uh, and, and drawing and all these things? Was it always uh, to entertain? Was it was that a part that was intertwined with that? Like that you oh, liked art for the sake of it? Absolutely. But I, but I, but I see entertainment in such a broad way. I, Mm-hmm. I would see entertainment and, you know, I, I think Greek tragedy is entertaining. Yeah. Um, I think, um, I, I think any form of performance, any form of, um, any form of engagement with an audience is entertainment. And that, um, and that's, that's what's valuable to you in, in like being able to connect with, with people, uh, yeah. by entertaining yeah. them. And I, and I, but I, but I think I'm more interested in, in the people's response than I am in, in, Sort of um, being, being having having brilliant things to say. I don't think I've got brilliant things to say, and I, I, I'm always very much aware that the things that I say really being culled from books or from somewhere or somewhere else. And and, and I think you know, I, I'm just the mouthpiece for this thing. So I, I'm more interested in what in what they've got to say because their their observation or your observation is often much more interesting than mine. I've heard it all before anyway. I I, I know all the rubbish that goes on in my head. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't know, I don't know what's going on in your head. It's much, much, <laughs> much, much more exciting. And, um, so I, I really loved so what you were saying about editing. And I think it's, that really is the key to film. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of the great directors really are frustrated editors anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're just editors who uh, have been forced to go into the real world and, uh, and edit the, the production of the actual film. Basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but, uh, I think that's, uh, I think that's uh, about as much, uh, as we can, we can fit into, uh, to one podcast for now. We've done, we've done a huge amount. I'm so sorry. Please, please, please please edit me if you think I'm getting too boring. (laughs) No, Um, I, I, you know, do you you, 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 you want me to say some, some ridiculous things? Do you want, do do, do you want to quick fire some ridiculous questions and we'll finish on a high? (laughs) Sure. What, what 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 ridiculous things can we talk about? Uh, is is any is any any anything that you've not asked me that I can tell you about, which would be simply simply absurd? Um, it's absurd. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What's what's what, what's the most ridiculous thing that you've ever done? Most ridiculous thing I've ever done. Oh man, I'm not a very ridiculous person, to be honest. Well, um, that, that, that 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 would mean anything that ridi- anything that's ridiculous is going to stand out like a sore thumb, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Am I I mean, honestly, you no. You know what? It's, I've I've normalized my ridiculousness. The most ridiculous thing I've done is uh, I, I've spent like five years uh, of my life talking about a reality show. <laughs> there we are. There we are. Which, pretty which, ridiculous. Which isn't, which isn't really reality anyway, is it? It's um, it, it's an invented reality. Construction. So yeah. we so we call it we call it reality, but it's it's not reality. Mm-hmm. An unreality. It's an Alice in Wonderland world that we're that we're discussing. Um, it's great. Well, do you, do you do you know all about Edward Lear? You know you know all Ed, Edward Lear's stuff, uh, the Owl and the Pussycat, and um, I'm not. 
Oh, please say yes. Please say yes. There was an old man with a beard who said it is just as I feared. Two larks and a wren, a rook and a hen have all made their nest in my bed. He's pretty well the man who popularized the limerick. Okay. The 1830s, 1840s. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, don't know him, but. Well, he, he is the ultimate man of the ephemera, of, of the ephemeral, uh, you know, complete throwaway rubbish, which certainly when I was a child was, 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 was still part of, part of our childhood. And I, I still know children who seem to have been brought up on this stuff. Um, and, uh, the, the idea of nonsense, which was so much a part of, of, of childhood. In fact, I think it still is. You know, it's it's still there in Harry Potter, isn't it? Um, the idea that you can, that the children can live in a world which is not quite sensible, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and then you come out of reading these things or or, or looking at them, uh, looking at SpongeBob and stuff, and you come back into reality with all its rules and frustrations, where where big people control everything, and. Um, and then you can go. You, you can escape into this fantastic world where small people and small animals can be superior and mm-hmm. can and and, 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 and and can twist everything around and um, and, uh, and make everything so much better. Um, yeah. So idealism and, and 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 the power of the small and the power of the unimportant. Um, we, we we must never forget it. It's so important. Um, Doctor Doolittle, <laughs> and, and that's being remade in, uh, as a film now. Um, but, um, I remember there was a wonderful film made in 1967 with Rex Harrison. Um, you don't know that, do you? I well, I knew that the um, uh, the Eddie Murphy one was a remake. Yeah, well, there's now there's now another. Uh, another yes, now there's a Robert there. Downey Jr. Um, one. Yeah, absolutely. Have you seen it yet? It's not out. Yet, I have not seen it yet. Now. Um, yeah, there's a wonderful song in the original. My friend, the doctor says the world is made of sugar plums and who are you or I to disagree? Um, and, uh, and, and it's just delightful. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, anyway, sorry, we, maybe we need to stop on that. Um, <laughs> well, no, I, I mean, like, I, I think that's, I think that's a great message to, to end on. Um, and, Ma- and Mary Poppins as well, you know, this, this, yeah. this sort of, Quite, quite, quite strict lady who who who, fly, who flies in and and um, magic happens wherever she is and she pretends it's not happening. <laughs> this is this is a, this is extraordinary. Um, and uh, yeah, the balance between control and chaos and uh, um, bed knobs and broomsticks. I Disney, you, you just go back to Disney all the time. And but, but there's, there's a man even even more exciting than Disney actually, and and that's um, E. T. A. Hoffman, the fellow who wrote the Nutcracker. Yeah. And uh, he's a sort of 18th century, um, he was an 18th century civil servant in Prussia. And his day job was to invent names for Jewish people. Um, so um, a lot, lots of my friends, when, 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 when we look at their names, we realize, oh, my goodness, your family name actually comes from Prussia and probably was invented by E.T.A. Hoffman. Um, and uh, some of these names are really quite cruel. Um, but you, you know, start with start, start with a name for grocer or um, apple merchant or whatever, um, apple baum, um, rosenbaum, and, and 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 so on. But um, but his secret job was to was to write these fantastical stories. Um, and and he escaped from the humdrum and uh, and potentially nasty and potentially anti-Semitic into this world of fantasy. Mm. And, and and that idea of escaping that is film that is. Um, uh, that is childhood. I think. I think it's also education. I think education is a form of escapism. And, and, edit, and editing is about imposing order 
on, <laughs> on, onto all this chaos. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes. You have you have to order this um this podcast, otherwise otherwise people are going to think, what the hell is going on? <laughs> who, is, who who is this mad person? Um, uh, yeah, I I think people could listen to you uh, talk for hours. Well, I could listen to you talk for hours. You're going to have to teach me more about editing. <laughs> all right, sounds good. Uh, and we haven't talked at all about the 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 um the uh your film. What, what's it called? Oh, with the with the with the dragons and the and the pig. <laughs> yes, um, the black cauldron. The black cauldron. The black cauldron. We we come 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 come. We have another podcast at some point, and we and we can just we we won't discuss me. We can just discuss Disney <laughs> films or something. Can we, can we discuss good. The black cauldron sometime. Yes. Yes. On, absolutely. On, on record. Um, <laughs> you okay. know, uh, it's it's Taryn, Taryn the pig keeper. Uh, but uh, but but spoilers for uh, for the book series. Uh, he but he eventually becomes Taryn the High King. So I didn't know that. Yeah, because uh, uh, we got, because the film is based on just the first three books, isn't it? Just or? the first two, I believe. All right. Um, yeah, and there's six. Total? Yeah, it's, 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 it's yeah, it's not as prolific as the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, um, but the Wizard of Oz is a little bit like Enid Blyton. It sort of sticks to a formula and just keep popping them out. <laughs> Once you've read one, you've read them all. Really, are you are you a big fantasy reader at all? Uh, yeah, my my but my 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 top fantasy um, person is Ursula K. Le Guin, who's one of your people. She's yes. American. She's yes. one. She died last year. Yeah. Great, 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 great shame. She was spectacular. I, I love yeah. all her work. Um, she made Tolkien sort of accessible, really. Yeah. Um, and uh, she she took the best of Tolkien, the best of C.S. Lewis, and the best of science fiction. And what's, so, what's your uh, favorite of hers? Um, oh, the um, probably the Tombs of Atuan. No, okay. no, the um, the third one. What's the third one called? Uh, the, the, the Father's Shore. It's, it, it's sort of dark, and uh, in the same way. J.K. Rowling, I'm not a great fan, um, but I I think that Prisoner of Azkaban probably is a great book. That's my yeah, that's that's my favorite. Uh, Harry you Potter see it there. You are you see there, there. And and as for um Tolkien, I think the greatest the greatest bit of Lord of the Rings is um is uh, is a bit where Frodo and Bilbo are are, are stuck on their own, are going into Mordor. Um, so that's that's book six, isn't it? Um. Or is it book five? I can't remember. It's well, it, 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 it's it's one one or other of the two king of the of the of the return of the king. Right. Um, I, no, I, yeah. I, I, I think it's the I think it's book five. And uh, but but I, I I used to read all the way through and then go back and read again. And I I was quite devoted to it. And and then I found Ursula K. Le Guin and I thought, oh, there are others. I, I did also discover Michael Moorcock, but I. I, I mm-hmm. thought, he was sort of a bit of a strange being. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm betraying my 1970s upbringing, aren't I? <laughs> well, fantasy as a genre has really uh, like bloomed um, lately, that uh, especially yeah. since Lord of the Rings came out and then especially now Game of Thrones, um, you know, well, certainly Game of television. Thrones is and- spectacular, but I think the Game of Thrones, the TV series, infinitely uh, is infinitely better than the, the books. Interesting. I, I I loved the TV show until a certain point, until they basically ran out of book material yeah. to uh, to adapt, yeah. um, and then it then it felt like it started to lack a, a bit of depth. Um, yeah, but 
But yeah, so there's there's so much. I'm just constantly reading and, fantasy. And, 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 and the book that I have to pronounce in an American way. Um, hold on, let me see if I can. I have to take a breath. Dune. Dune. Yes. How would you pronounce it? <laughs> we have a dip song there. We, I would say Dune. Dune. Um, <laughs> okay. Dune. Yeah, it's it's like June. You see. Yeah, well, um, De- uh, Denis, uh, who name I can't last name I can't pronounce, uh, great director who made uh, Prisoners and uh, is about uh, Blade yeah. Runner uh, is about to release these yeah, uh, his Dune movie. But I, but I remember, I remember the Lynch film. I just, I, yes. I loved it. I loved it so much oh. with, with, with Sting, and it oh, was just Lynch. so, it was so big. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and so messed up and the, and, and the, um, and the process work was so bad, but it just had such ambition. Yes. Um, and the TV series was good, but nowhere near as ambitious and as beautiful mm-hmm. as, uh, as the Lynch film. I never watched the TV series or maybe I did when I was a kid, but I didn't yeah, watch all TV of it. The TV series is well worthwhile. Um, and, but the books are great, I think. I, yeah, I actually have not read the books. Ah. Um, but I do plan. It's on my list. Right. I have a big list. We, but we, we, we better stop. And I'm going to see you next, next, uh, next Thursday. Next Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. And we have a, we have a blast with the last, the last few, um, sessions. Yeah. Well, uh, if people want to be entertained by you, Tim, where, where can they, where can they find you on social media? That's not the circle. Oh, the social media. Um, Oh, we find we are on, on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, where is it? Is little at Professor underscore Tim underscore Wilson, and then uh, there's a YouTube channel which is Zontal Films Limited, uh, Zontal Films Ltd, all one word, and Zontal um, is a is a wonderful Turkish word um, which means high mountain. Some it, it, it's actually Syriac, so ultimately Aramaic. So the language Jesus would have spoken, he would have said, "Come on, mates, let's get the Zontal." <laughs> and have a and have a transfiguration, um, no. and then and then you can also find me actually on, on Twitter, which I almost never use. I'm going to start using it because I found you on Twitter, Taryn. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I'm going to become a Twitter fan again. But on Twitter, um, you find me under Spalding three hundred one two Spalding, like the tennis balls. I think. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I I was brought up in Spalding in Lincolnshire in in, in Britain. Do they Spalding. make tennis balls there? They, they they don't make anything there anymore. They used to do a lot of tulips, and um, and, and now the tulips have died. So they go back to producing potatoes, and it's very flat. It's, it's very boring in Spalding, really. Yeah. Oh, no. And then there'll be somebody watching from Spalding say it's not boring in Spalding. You know, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's got beautiful views of the sky, um, beautiful views of the sky, and and you can see for many miles. Um, but um, yeah, farming community really. I, I spent a lot of time on farms when I was little. Yeah. Farms, horses, cows. I was extremely good at castrating cows. Well, not cows, obviously bullocks, <laughs> um, and and piglets. Pig piglets. I was oh really, very, very good with a knife um, from about the age of five. Right? Um, that's, horror. <laughs> that's horror story stuff, isn't it? We probably should yeah. get rid of that. Um, and, yeah. So, 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 Spalding three hundred one two. All right. And uh, Professor underscore Tim underscore Wilson is Instagram, and then YouTube. You can find me under Zontal Films 
LTD. And yeah, I just go on and on and on, really, don't I? (laughs) Okay. I hope I'm not too boring. No, no, no. This is, this has been great. Thank you so much uh, for joining us, Tim. Uh, And of course, thank you guys, the listeners for joining us in this conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Lots lots of stuff, something for everyone in this one. Uh, So thank you guys for listening and I will see you next time. Bye-bye. Asking questions. Terrence finding out. Terrence looking deeper. That's what it's all about.